This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino. I almost said Chris Hawkins. Chris Hawkins is my brother. Uh, <laughs> today, Q4 results. A lot of talent coming, going. And Chris, are you ready for even more football? Today is opening day of the XFL. They're taking it a little bit more seriously this time. I am actually legitimately excited to see if they can actually... If they can, if they can spruce up the game of football, because there haven't been a lot of innovations per se in football, even if there's been innovations in production. What innovation are you most excited to see in practice with the XFL? Well, I was wrong about the uh, the double pass thing because you can have the because the the forward pass has to be behind the line of scrimmage. Both passes have to be behind the line of scrimmages. Uh, I like the idea of no extra point that you, that you have three choices to run a play from. And depending on how far away from the end zone you are, it's a different number of points. I kind of like the, uh, the last couple minutes of the half being a little bit more uh, dramatic in that the clock will stop after every play to give teams a chance to score more. I, I, I th- I'm i a little bit excited for this. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, I think those are all interesting innovations. and It'll be fun to see how those play out. I, I think the NFL certainly could use some rule changes. Just the tie rule at the end of games, I think, is a bit convoluted. So it'll be interesting as kind of an alternative laboratory for experimentation, the XFL. Now, they're not helping themselves with these theme songs. These theme songs are trash. No, these theme songs are amazing. These what are you talking are about? They, garbage. They're, they're well produced. The raps are fresh. The guitar work is just bopping, I think is what the kids are saying these days. They say bopping, right? Uh, oh, yeah. They're, they're it's big, a bopping they're, guitar. They're big into 50s sock hop lingo. Yeah, no, they are. They, <laughs> they like their malts and the bop. Poodle skirts. Yeah, it's all and bebop. <laughs> with that no they just oh they all sound the same except for maybe that houston one which sounds like an old town road knockoff yeah that one like you're right it sounds like old town road but it also just reminded me of the lousy guitar loops and samples you had on the original iteration of garage band around the turn of the century like it, it, the basic slide guitar loop number three well I'm- <laughs> it's bad and i think the the big problem is I get the idea. When you have it in an arena, you want everything to have a similar sort of production quality, especially because it's going to be washing through arena reverb, and it's everything gets a certain overtone to it when it's being pushed through the arena like that. But none of these songs are catchy or memorable. I heard all of them yesterday. I can't remember a single riff from a single one of them. I just started laughing and crying at the same time, but the Houston one is the most memorable (laughs) one of them, but it's the most memorable one for the wrong reasons, but everything's turn of the century. Now bowling for soup, the, uh, 
I, I thought they were a ska band, hey, but they sound like they are a Dallas slash Denton local product, my friend. I will not hear you say bad things about bowling for soup. Have you heard their new song? No, called Alexa Bliss. Oh, yeah, they made a song about Alexa Bliss. Alexa game to be in the video. Kind of a weird science knockoff. I just thought, man, when you said every, turn of the century guitar riff, I'm like, everything is 1999 all of a sudden again. I think I do recall seeing something about the Bowling for Soup guy being into wrestling in like a serious way, though. So you know, maybe this is less shocking. The charging guitar, the whiny vocals. It's all 1999 again. <laughs> it's just the high-pitched vocals. Of, yeah, 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 thing. I just, I, every, every band sounded the same to me in 1999. You know, that, that good Charlotte, uh... What other ones? I can't. I, I can't think of them I mean, all. But they all sound kind of the, the Blink One Eighty Two yes. formula. Mock Two, the second generation of the Blink One Eighty Two yeah. formula. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of football, my I, w- I was telling you this uh, before we went on the air. My brother went to the Super Bowl. He, he he he's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, lifelong. And we we're like, are you going to the game? He goes like, no, it's too expensive. Then one, and then all of a sudden, there's a Facebook post. Didn't know what to do with my emotions. Dropped a few grand to go to the Super Bowl. I went, dude, you are. Li- he is living his best sports life. And in, in the course of a year, he's gotten to see his alma mater win a national title in basketball. He's gotten to see his local team win a World Series, and now his favorite football team growing up. I I long for these types of sports years that he has. It's an exciting time for Kansas City. <laughs> he's not a Kansas City, you know, purist though. I mean, he he's, he it was just the football team because we were military guys. But um, anyways, on to the news. Uh, before we left the air last week, uh, I had failed to mention one of the bigger stories in the last decade. That of co-presidents of the WWE, George Berrios and Michelle Wilson, getting getting the axe on Friday in anticipation of the Q4 earnings call, which happened. And the most interesting thing to me about the call, Chris, is apparently WWE is shopping their pay-per-view rights, or at least some of their pay-per-view rights, to other streaming services to pick up and then broadcast uh, for pay-per-view purposes. And Vince McMahon is now saying everything's on the table, including including we may not need a network anymore. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what it sounds like is they're considering cannibalizing the network here. I don't think they are, though. I, I It's interesting. I've been listening to a lot of other, you know, both business and wrestling people. Quick plug, WrestleNomics on the Voices of Wrestling Network. Brandon Thurston does a great job of breaking down these types of presentations. Uh, but to me, see, when they built the streaming service, when WWE went in on a network of their own to try and sell the cable and then made it over the top when they didn't get any buyers for that, it was groundbreaking. And everybody in the business was saying, pay-per-view is going to die. Pay-per-view is going to die. And it turns out pay-per-view didn't die for big fights. Now, the thing that I'm thinking, and I haven't heard anybody talk about this, whether whether they go with DAZN, whether they go with ESPN+, Plus, whether they go with Peacock, if it's just WrestleMania, if it's, if it's the other 
big three or big four, if you count money in the bank type thing, and they just keep the historical stuff on there. there there's two things that have happened in the business that the, it, it may not be the worst idea in the world, but it may not be the best either. Okay, number one, NXT going to network television really undercut their audience for the network uh, in terms of eyeballs to that, because that was the big thing. Um, you know, the historical footage is great for guys like me who want to watch 1984 NWA, but that's not a big selling point. They haven't been creating a lot of original content on the network. Um, and that getting the historical footage, if you wanted that, it's not easy. It's there on the network, but it's like a library, like as in like a public library that you have to kind of walk and sort your way through to find. It's not curated and put together and packaged nicely. But but I mean, I also own a lot of that stuff on hard drives. In ver- and, and DVDs. But the point is, for someone like me, Jeff, yeah. who does not own all of that no, on no, hard no, no. drives and thinks that buying a network subscription should get me something close to that. Like, no, I... I is it still worth your... Is, is the historical content still worth your money? That's the question. No, I was asking you personally. Personally? Not right now. Okay. But I go through phases of intensity of my fandom and wrestling. Right. Okay. You know? yeah. uh, here's why, to me, it's not the worst idea in the world to sell these rights. I know everybody's like, well, you're just going to cannibalize your network. You're Look, Vince has always tried to go where the money is in a year or two, and I commend him for that. Like, he was there for rights trying to and trying to grow the base he was he was trying to grow when he when he went to fox with the smackdown deal he was trying to grow his his base of of his fandom and there's not a lot of wrestling fans to be had out there but when you had like the thing is for vince like for wrestlemania he doesn't care about great matches he cares about being a big entertainment type spectacle that will get eyeballs and also news stories so when he's going after talent like a Tyson Fury or a Kane Velasquez, his only options beforehand were money that was on hand or money from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. There is always chatter within WWE about wanting Conor McGregor for a WrestleMania. The only way they're going to get a guy of Conor McGregor's stature is if they're able to offer him points on pay-per-view purchases. And I haven't heard anybody talk about that aspect of a deal yet because Conor McGregor is going to ask for big money. And the only leverage that Vince would have is wanting to talk him down off of a price. But if he could talk him into, hey, if you come in and you get, say, 5% of all the buys, on ESPN or 25% of all the buys on ESPN that might make him be able to get a guy like Conor McGregor on a WrestleMania. Yeah. I think it's good to have the ability to sell WrestleMania as a pay-per-view because I think people might still be willing to throw down 50 bucks for WrestleMania and maybe to a lesser extent, Royal Rumble and SummerSlam. But I think if you have been watching these WWE network events over the last, how long's the network era been? About seven years now? I was going to say four or five, but you might be right. Four or five, yeah. But like these are not events that you would largely pay $30 for. 
Right. And I, I don't think you can put the B. I don't think you can put the B pay-per-views on a pay per service and that be profitable. But especially now in the streaming era where you could get online and go through nefarious means and get all these things, it would have to be must see in the moment sort of things. And I think you're right. Being able to sell WrestleMania as a standalone pay-per-view, especially being able to license out stuff to people like Conor McGregor so that they would feel like they're more of a stakeholder in the profitability of WrestleMania. That might be a usable tool, but I'm like looking at the stock price here too as we're talking about this. You were, you were talking and setting this up. This has been a very bad one-year picture since uh, April 24th of 2019. They were at 98.50. Um, now it, February, 2020, they're at 4253. The model is just not profitable. And I think some of the big bullets in the gun have been fired. Like there was a lot of hope around the Fox deal. And that was part of what was driving up the pro, you know, the stock price, right? Then they got on Fox and they haven't really made the splash on network television that I think a lot of the hype train was built around. And to a certain extent, I think, I don't, I don't think the Saudi Arabia stuff is hurting them, but like, how many other places do they have to work with? Like, this is a tricky place for WWE as a company to be at. And it makes sense that they need to turn over some executives because the model's flawed. Well, I, th- I think that the thing with, with Barrios and Wilson, it appeared, was there was a difference between what they wanted to invest in. I think Barrios and Wilson really wanted to build this NXT brand uh, you know, and really invest in the future type of things. And, and Vince McMahon's more of a now type guy. Uh, I wanted to bring up a couple of quick points on your thing. Yeah, the B pay-per-views have already been valued. It's nine ninety nine a month. You you can't get any more for those. I don't think. I don't think you can. Get, no. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't. You know, TLC. Yeah, TLC. TLC is not going to get fifty bucks from anybody. I don't think, except for maybe the diehards or people who can't. You know, the usual people who can't get you know good streaming where they live because there are still those places that still have pay-per-view but it, it's not as much as the other. The stock price, the stock talk is interesting because we've now listened through the life of this show to a number of these calls, and they're always selling potential. They're never really selling the actual business. They're always selling, you know, you know, the most socially <laughs> interactive company compared to this and our Twitter this, and, and, you know, we're really getting, you know, good vibes from this type of thing. They're always, it's it's always been a bit of a shell game to me, the way they do these presentations in that, Hey, things sound to be down right now. You know, are you, they asked him a question about AEW and then he just blew it off. You know, it, it's always a bit of a shell game. Look over here while we're doing all this. And you know what? Eventually you'll, you'll pick the one with the ball under it and you'll win all the money type of thing. It, it's a very, I listen to these calls and I go, if any of these business type people had an ounce of interest in the actual product and had watched it at all for any bit of time, they could ask more competent questions, but they never do. They just ask about the nuts and bolts, never about like creative directions and stuff because, because they look at the bottom line and they look at the money it's bringing in. They go, well, it must be working. Yes. But I think the ratings war with AEW has given them a new way to calibrate the model of WWE. I don't know about like, that. They have, the, this, they have plausible deniability by saying it's not really our WWE product that's going head to head. No, with- I, yes, 
Yes, but then those investors might take a second look at a Raw and SmackDown and go, are these good products? Like, are these watchable products? I don't know, man. I, I think that there have been issues on the main roster and the NXT AEW war has made investors maybe take a second look at the product that is being offered on the main roster. Because you're right, the plausible deniability narrative is, oh, it's just our NXT, don't worry about it, pay no attention to that. But I think the shell game, people are starting to catch on to it. And apparently, I guess, WWE gave USA NXT for $0 in broadcast rights. I mean, that's that's insane to me as a favor. I, I don't understand that thinking if that's true. I mean, the other thing here is, Jeff, in 2016, this company was valued at about $17. And in 2017, it was valued at about $18. And in 2018, it bopped up to like $30. And that seemed pretty high at the time. And it's been at $100. Um, for about a year and a half, but that's always felt artificial, not connected. Yes, it's not felt connected to what you're seeing on your television screen. Yeah, I mean, I would agree, but then again, we're fans. It's it's one, and I can hear people yelling at at their podcast right now. No, Chris, you don't understand. The creative has nothing to do with the stock price. It's how the business is run, and I get that. The business is run not terribly poorly, to be honest with you. They're always, but they're always. Their business plan is always based on the next deal. And eventually, there's not going to be deals to be had. I don't think. You can't play this And game. I don't think they've quintupled up. That's that's sort of my argument here. If you're looking at $18 versus $96, you, you're saying that there's a substantial improvement in the structure of the business model from where they were. And I don't... What would be the narrative there, Jeff? Um, the... the because look how much the uh, television companies valued the product enough to pay pay that much for it. At that point when they did the Fox deal. Yeah. So part of this is the valuation is now what's on the future for WWE. And based on how the Fox deal is going, it doesn't look like there's like a really exciting deal on the horizon, right? Except for this pay-per-view deal. That, that's the only thing. And, and you can leverage however much of the company's uh, broadcast product you want to pay. Cause that's the other thing is Vince is also saying, I don't want to give them everything. Just, I don't want to give like my entire video library to ESPN in order to, to, to help those people. I just want to give part of it. And that's going to be tricky. Depending on who it is. They're saying it's, it might be Hulu. It might be uh DAZN, It might be ESPN plus, or it might be this NBC Peacock venture that that's out there. I, I don't see NBC having a big interest in this other than the universal connection because wrestling for them has always kind of been a step kid in the portfolio compared to trying to get things like, you know, broadcast right to friends back and, and things of that nature. Sports audiences, it's hit or miss because UFC fans are not crossover wrestling fans. It's usually the opposite way around. It's usually wrestling fans or MMA fans. Um, and disown is kind of the same thing. Boxing fans aren't necessarily wrestling fans, but there are plenty I think of wrestling. The big fans. interest would be like the '90s library, you know, the Monday Night Wars era stuff. Yeah, and that's probably the stuff that Vince would be the most reticent to give up. Yeah, because that still is cash cow, probably. <laughs> still, st- still talking about those victories in '97. 
98. Um, some other news. Let's do some cleanup on the talent-related news. Uh, WWE this week signed Timothy Thatcher and Killer Cross to contracts. I look. <laughs> I think they should have signed Tim Thatcher just to avoid IP-related lawsuits about uh, ring comp. But I just don't see either of these guys being breakouts. I can see you putting Cross and uh, Scarlett Bart- Bordeaux together because they're, you know, they're 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 together in real life, and maybe you can get an act out of that. Timothy Thatcher to me is the guy that that's gonna that Lance storm type who's very good technically, but eventually going to look at him and goes, look at him. He doesn't have any real personality other than his mean face. And they'll end up giving him a top hat and a monocle and a cane to come dancing down the ring. I'm just, I'm happy for them to make money. And, and Tim, Timothy Thatcher's thing has always been, he's, I believe he's an accountant in real life. And so he hasn't, uh, he hasn't really wanted to work for, you know, or take contracts that would take him away from that work. But you know what? If he can do it in Orlando, more power to him. It, it's just, I, I find it more of a stockpiling move than a, we're going to invest in their talent move. Yeah, I don't really see a clear need for Killer Cross or Thatcher right now, especially when you've got Walter. I, I mean, I guess Thatcher will go over and help had out NXT UK. Maybe there, you know what? That wouldn't be the worst place for him either. To be honest with you. I mean, he is, he is, he's British by birth. I believe he's an American citizen. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that wouldn't be the worst move in the world either. Uh, Tainara Conti apparently gone from, uh, NXT over a, uh, money dispute. Uh, you know what? She's only 22. <laughs> if she wants she really yeah wow. she's she's 22 or 23 or 24 i can't remember she's in her early 20s came here from judo uh if she wanted to do wrestling i think there's plenty of interest in her i could also see her just leaving and not wanting to do wrestling anymore or basically trying to see if, if wwe is going to come back and pay her i don't think they are i think they're going to let her go but um that that that's a, that's a little sad. I, I always liked her. No, I like her. I, I think that she had fun attitude as both a heel and as she a was baby a great face. character. She wasn't the best wrestler in the world, but she was a great character in that kind of that f- chicken hawk fighting above your above your stature type of way. Yeah, and I think it would have been fun to see more done with her. But maybe she, I mean she's young enough where she could certainly have a second run. Uh, rumors are that Vince McMahon is not happy with Matt Riddle's calling out people above his uh, above his stature. So much for grabbing the brass ring, I guess. Really? Yeah, he I does, thought he, that all this like <laughs> him calling out Goldberg and Brock stuff was, I don't know, to at least get something going in the future here. I thought that was like a tease thing. I didn't realize uh, Matt Riddle was grabbing at the brass ring inappropriately. I don't think you can. I just think some guys can grab at it and they just give everybody else lip service. I, I'm really... The, the trick is to know whether or not it's okay for you to grab at the brass ring. You know, there, there are guys you can... There, there are made guys you can touch and there are made guys you can't touch. You know, all that dumb backstage politics stuff. Uh, the Revival asked for their release again after being offered yet another uh, raise in salary. Um, it looks like they're going to be out of the company shortly after WrestleMania. I'm 
interested in this. Both guys, I believe, are in their 30s. I know that they take their craft very seriously. I think they, they like to think of themselves as artists. I think they're looking for the five-star match. And I think that's what drives them. I, I don't... It's very odd when you're talking about finances and 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 that the offer is probably at least seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year each to basically be kind of half the wrestler you want to be. But I don't I don't fault them for it. I don't. Yeah, I I think it's I think it's ultimately a good thing for Dawson and Wilder to do something other than WWE because Daniels and Kazarian have kind of shown how you can do that kind of model and have like a long lasting and sustaining career into your forties. And they can always go back to doing the comedy stuff later on in their career, but you only have so long to be turning in these five-star classics. That's true. But you also only have so many opportunities to make that kind of money. And I'm, it's one of those things I get that it. Uh, we as fans want want the super matches with like the young bucks. And man, wouldn't it be great to see what they did in AEW if they, you know, had had the uh, had the handcuffs off. But at the same time, you're going, wow, you were you were probably giving up at least eighty five percent of of what's being offered right now to take a chance on yourself with this new company. That's not paying as much. I get it. I just, it's one of those things where I don't blame them either way. And there's no real way to analyze that as a good or bad decision until you see what happens. Yeah. And they've also spent the last several years in WWE getting, you know, the good paycheck too. Oh yeah. And they may be, they may be in a position where they can afford to go and make the art for a minute. And then, you know, they want to make the big paycheck again. I think, you know, as in terms of what they would be doing in WWE, there's no reason they can't do the demands of the act they're currently being asked to do on the main roster three or four years and, from now. And if you really hate it, if you really hate what you're doing, no amount of money is going to solve that problem for you. It really isn't. I've been given pay raises at jobs I hate, and I go, well, this might make me happy and offset how miserable I am right now. And then it turned out, you know, once your lifestyle adjusts to your pay to your pay uh pay range you just become unhappy again so if they're yeah, unhappy that they works should leave. once yeah it works you know once. like you, you press it works once and it buys you about a year to two years it buys you um, your and car then and then you go yep. oh i got a car now great yeah i i, I, I still hate this job yeah i still and hate I'm this there job. every day mm-hmm. and uh finally one last talent note buddy murphy now just plain murphy uh, improvement or not? This is an interesting debate uh, because Buddy Murphy was not a good original name. However, Murphy is less chantable than Buddy. <laughs> well, he's a heel right now. I, right, but at some point you'd want to turn him face maybe, right? Yeah, Murphy is such a... It's such a plain Murphy, name. Murphy, Murph, Murph, Murph. Damn it, pal, we need to give you a finisher called Murphy's Law, where it goes wrong every time. (laughs) That is actually the name of his finisher. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just just thinking of Vince, because Vince wouldn't know that. (laughs) He might. I I just, it's weird, because Buddy Murphy, it, it sounds, 
How does it sound? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound. I mean, it does sound a little bit like it came out of the NXT. It sounds bopping. It sounds like it's going to the malt shop a little later. You're going to hang out with Buddy Murphy, the quarterback <laughs> of the East Haberbrook football team. I don't know. It sounds like one of those small town names. You know, hey, did you hear Buddy Murphy jumped off the bridge when he? <laughs> oh no, not Buddy Murphy. Yeah, Buddy Murphy, the Murphy boy from down the street. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez, he was a swell guy. I hate to hear that about old Buddy Murphy. But Murphy just sounds like a, a plain. <laughs> oh, it, we, uh, Call Murphy. him Murph for short. Murph, Murph. The Murph. The Murph. I, I just. Uh, the it, Murph says. It's just interesting when, when Vince just starts to hate a name, what he does. I I mean, I've, we've now lived. He's fascinated this. with like taking off the first name as though that's going to give them a new edge. Like, we got rid of Antonio Cesaro and just dropped it down to Cesaro. But it's and usually that vowels him- that start those names that he hates. It's like Adrian Neville, uh, you know, Antonio Cesaro, uh, Alexander Rusev, who, by the way, oh, that's another one. He's holding out for a better deal right now, too. Uh, he's under contract. Uh, uh, Al- what was Ali's first name? Mustafa, Mustafa, and he okay. lost it and got it back. That was too ethnic. That was too ethnic. Yeah, well, Vince. and I believe Apollo Cruz went from being Apollo, or went from being Apollo Cruz to, to Apollo. being Apollo to yes. being to being Apollo Cruz again this week. Oh yeah, well, he and he and uh, Heath Slater finally get matches in the first time in forever this week, which was a welcome sight. Saying like, what happened to Apollo Cruz and Heath Slater? Oh, there they are. Great. This is this is the week where they, and there they went. Well, I mean, this is the week of just beating people you have no interest in, like this whole Mojo Riddick Moss thing, which we didn't get to last week either. Riddick Moss is now on the main roster after all these failed iterations. You know, your uh, uh, Shoot Nation, uh, the the team with Tino Sabatelli, the Outliers, the the uh, the fitness guru gimmick that they did on NXT, and now all of a sudden he's just he's a sidekick for a guy who gets beat by Drew McIntyre in like he's three the seconds. lineman for Mojo Rawley's the- horrible XFL team. I just I, I watched it. I went well. So much for that. You know, there's a lot of that going around. The uh, yeah. we'll get a little bit into the in NXT, but uh, before we get into heavy WWE stuff. I have started watching NWA again, and we both watch AEW. Let's hit a couple things on that that were eventually. Okay, yeah, sure, sure. I, I did watch. I'm watching NWA. I, I really like Stu Bennett. I think he's really great on commentary. I think Bennett's great, but I'll tell you a bridge too far this week for me was the Mama Storm thing. They screwed up that segment so bad, it made me almost not want to watch NWA anymore because from an improv perspective, from an acting perspective, it's a straight absurd scene. A guy comes out dressed as Tim Storm's mother. It's obvious yes. it's not Tim Storm's mother. Joe Golly's playing that thing straight. Oh, you doesn't look like you have a family resemblance. And it wasn't played sarcastically. It was played eagerly like that. As opposed yeah, no, to- he should have been actually annoyed with the yes. idea that Tim Storm, this guy who is the heart and soul of NWA, is being mocked, and Mama Storm is a beloved figure among the NWA fans. I yeah, I think that I I didn't like that either. He needed to be more Lance Russell there. 
where Lance Russell would look at that and go, this is ridiculous. You know, Lance Russell would be mad that you're wasting his time on this. And a little disgusted. Yes. Disgusted with the whole scene. Are you kidding me with this? This is this is bad taste. You know, just you have to call out that absurdity. Other than that, I liked this program a lot. I'm still liking this program a lot. I'm liking the uh, the Aldous villain build quite a bit. I'm liking that Marty Skrull is now, I guess, going to be our connector between New Japan, Ring of Honor, and the NWA in an effort to get maybe a quote-unquote super promotion type of thing, or at least something where all these guys are working together. Super card at some point. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what they've done with uh, Thunder Rosa and kind of breaking her off now to be a star as opposed to you know, having her there with Molina all the time. Uh, the match against uh, um, Allison K was was okay. I, I I didn't I didn't gush over that. It. Has been my problem with NWA lately. Is it's it's a pretty good show, but the wrestling is kind of just so so. Right. Like Aaron Stevens versus Trevor Murdoch. That wasn't you know much of anything, right? No, I mean, it, it was good for what it was, but I mean, Aaron Stevens. Right, but that's kind of, th- things are not getting past that level for me. Although, like, I love Sean Mooney, right? Like, th- there's so many fundamentals about the show I like, but then there are other, you know, sometimes the in-ring action is just ho-hum. James Storm, versus, James Storm and Eli Drake versus Josephus and Mims. Some, it's, you know. some of the camp is a bit over the top. Also true. I mean, that that's my issue. I mean, you can have one camp act. You can't have two or three on the same show, and that's where I'm kind of getting it. Although, you know, James Storm's uh, impatient cow. Interrupting cow is my fa- one of my favorite jokes ever, so I loved that entire bit. I don't care. It was kind of fun. But again, you're I, I, I'm watching that going, didn't Eli Drake and James Storm, weren't they heels like two weeks ago, and now they're baby faces? It, it's very weird. Um, Aaron Stevens is always straddling the line of being a little too cute yes. and a little too likable as a heel. He wants, because, he wants to lean being in. paired he, with the question mark. Yeah, he wants to lean into that. Everybody's finding me very entertaining, so I'm going to be more entertaining versus more heelish thing. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm back on board NWA, but it's one of those things where it's since it's only an hour of my life, it's fine, but. I, it's because it's available on YouTube, and so I find it very easy to just pull up on my smart TV or, like, it's more readily accessible on more devices for me. And so that has – and it's on Tuesday. That has gotten it back in, but it's kind of like I, – I agree with you. Uh, Thunder Rosa moving her up the card, great move. Like Nick Aldis, think the Marty Skrull stuff is good, like the pairing with Ring of Honor. I, I mean, there's there's some intriguing things here. I don't okay, the theme song change. I think Wasn't it's not a bad song, not necessary, and doesn't work for the video package that opens the show because that is all in that eighties like whitewash sort of glossy effect thing, and you have Pantera, which is not glossy and eighties out, it's Pantera. Um I like Pantera. But, I mean, if you're doing theme songs for NWA Power, it really should be hair metal a la Dawkins. So if you want to change it from Into the Fire, okay, I don't see a point. I think that's a perfectly fine theme song for the show. But uh, that you still need to kind of be in that Motley Crue, Rat, Dawkins sort of area. Were you aware that this is being broken up into seasons? 
Because this is why they changed. This is why they changed the theme song. This is the season three of NWA Power, which came as a shock to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> then if you're going to make a new season, then you need to change the video package in addition to the theme song. I agree. Like, I mean, yeah, if that if that's going to be your your division point, I, I mean, okay. But it you don't get that vibe at all because you still have the cards and stuff that look like they're straight out of 1985. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, there, there's a lot to like it. It's, it's that show I can put on. I get off of work right as it's coming on. So I can just put it on decompress from work and then go about the rest of my day. Right. Um, right. yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll stick with it for now. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see how they do this build for, uh, for their partnership with the ring of honor. I'm, I'm waiting to see how that, that plays out. I'm a little worried that it will get, messy and spaghetti like like things happened i guess in what we can now refer to as season two yeah and then aew uh we'll hit a little bit on this um what did you think of the belt angle i i'll be honest i did not watch aew beyond like what you described to me about it i i mean other than i don't the strap match angle between mjf and cody to me generally it's not a stip that felt immediately necessary. So like, like it didn't offend me on any kind of deeper level other than it was a weird stip to have included kind of like the let's remove all the turnbuckles from the ring stipulation <laughs> in the Eddie Dennis and Trent. It's just, it was a weird, a weird place to take the angle. It was a failure no. in storytelling on their part to say, I'm going to whip you with these 10 lashes and if you quit at any time, if you no longer want to take these lashes, you don't get a match with me. That's the only thing that was missing in this. I got to tell you. I, oh, that would have actually been really interesting. So MJF starts the match well, at a market advantage because, yeah, he. Well, no, 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 okay. no. The, the whole the whole point of this skit um, was MJF was trying to get Cody to give up the match. And getting the 10 lashes was one of the things to get through to get to the match. So the whole time he's whipping him and, and Cody's writhing in pain and things like that, MJF is telling him to quit, to give up, so that he doesn't get the match at all at any point. That's the story they needed to tell, and they forgot to give preamble to that uh, before going into the actual whipping. I actually liked this um, quite a bit. Number one, there's an old school feel to it, but not only that. You like the ordeal that Cody has to go through kind of an ordeal to finally get to MJF and that he wants to get at MJF so bad that he's willing to go through all of this. Yeah, and it's also it's violent. It's nasty. It's the kind of things you'd watch in 80s wrestling that I kind of went to. I mean, he, he has these horrible i mean he's he's suffering for his art cody is because he's taking these terrible belt shots but not only that what it did for me was on a show that also has way too much for lack of a better term wrestling through an ironic prism it cleansed it of that nostalgic ddp angle that they were doing for kind of laughs and comedy and DDP getting the one last diamond cutter and doing the dive off of the top. And it made it again about Cody and MJF and it being a serious, serious type of blood feud type of thing. 
Yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, I, I think that where this angle would really benefit is if the rest of the show was kind of striking that visceral tone more often. Yeah. It, and I think part of what makes the whipping stuff so off-putting is that it is in contrast to the flavor that AEW has generally gone with. Yeah, it's more it's, what it is is um, to a lot of fans, and you notice this by the reactions on Twitter, especially ones trying to read a lot into, you know, certain certain things that people might be offended by. It was a lot like throwing up somebody into a very, very cold lake or an ice filled lake or, or something like that. It was a shock to them that there was something this of this tone tone on a, on a wrestling show. And, and so that's, I guess my critique is sort of, my critique is sort of adjacent to that in the sense of, Part of the reason you're getting that reaction is because the rest of the AEW product isn't like this generally. And maybe it should be. I think there's probably an argument that it should be. Um, but my concern is that it's not going to be. And so, like, this will sort of stand out whenever you do an angle like this. Yeah, it's, it's very um, odd and- when you have, like, women's wrestlers who... For, for no better... They're from outer space and stuff. Outer space. Some of them look like children who are dressed up in costumes... Um, some of them are part of dark cults, although it looks like that story is going to be, it looks like the net we're done with the nightmare collective because awesome Kong has to go back and film glow, which I think is going to be a positive for this women's division. But you know, when you have those, when you have the dark order running around, you know, trying to recruit people. And then you have a, a serious 1984 Yeah, a, a Dusty-style angle. I was thinking Roddy which, Piper and, and Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer type of thing. But yeah, no, dust, this is also a Dusty Rhodes type of angle. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of what Cody is trying to do with his angles on this show are, you know, homages or kind of built off of things that his father would have done. So let's talk all things NXT, shall we? Um Looks like they cashed in on the, it's going to be Charlotte Flair taking on whoever the NXT champion, no longer women's champion, is at Portland. I I liked overall the segment, but there was a lot wrong with it. There was a lot wrong with it, to, to be honest with you. I thought Bianca was great in it. Number one, Charlotte should not be coming out in those heels. To, to tower over Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. That, that. No, no. I, I mean, if you are trying to position Rhea and Charlotte on the same plane, they need to be visually the same in stature because, yeah, Charlotte's, Charlotte's just big. Um, you know, and, like, the idea, too, with Rhea is that she's – part of her mystique is that she's bigger. Um, and, and you're not you're not giving off that mystique when she's getting sized out by Charlotte Flair. I agree. I, I just I thought this was it was a poor visual mistake on their part. I love Bianca in this, but the problem is everybody looks at her and she's an afterthought right now. And everybody knows she's an afterthought because the match is Rhea and, and Charlotte. So why even have this in here? To be honest with you, just just wait a week or two until afterwards. I, know I mean, the reason to get you the have it in here is to ratings. create some degree of intrigue 
for the takeover match. And that's part of the problem, too, with the intersection between the main roster and the way all these different shows have been booked for NXT and NXT UK recently. Worlds Collide and the NXT TakeOver Blackpool Tool, The Bloodening, um, and now this TakeOver in Portland. Having all these angles kind of like rolling by so quickly and needing to stack up these big cards leaves people like Bianca Belair kind of lost in the fray. And then they do the whole school pride, brand pride, we are NXT, double beatdown of Charlotte, which... I don't know. You're 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 trying to build Bianca and Rhea, and then you're trying to build Rhea and and now hearing a cat. <laughs> Dude, I can't get this cat to shut up. So we are just gonna have to keep doing I'm, this show. I'm trying to edit around it as much as possible. Oh, don't worry I've about been, it. Don't don't worry I've about been editing. Doing everything I can to get this cat to shut the hell don't, up. Don't worry about editing because I think it went on for a number of minutes, and I'm sure someone in the background is going, "What is up with that cat?" It's just I no. Was, I mean, a decent amount of it's edited out of the dead air, but I've got to the point now when I'm talking that I can no longer contain him. It's just I, I either have to hold him and like actually clamp his mouth, um, which I was trying to do during some of the previous comments here or we just have to live in this world where he never shuts the hell up i don't know what you want i can't give it to you i try oh that's me to every woman i've ever dated um yeah i know this is the story (laughs) of my life i say it at work i say it in my yeah love life i say it with my cat but instead of building the the three-way standoff just build two sets of two that's that was my issue here in that Bianca and Rhea should not be helping each other do anything right now when Bianca wants Rhea's title and wants to have this big time match and wants the fame and fortune, all this stuff. I don't care that they work for the same department in the same company. I don't want them double teaming Charlotte here and being friends until the thing, because their relationship has always been based on spite Rhea and Bianca. Even, yeah, there's even been a so lot far more as, enmity. Yeah. Even so far as in the war games match, that spite coming out. So, so don't, don't give me this. Hey, we're all going to root for NXT here against the main roster person. Yay. I, I just, I hated that part of this segment. I, I mean, if it was part of them building up brand supremacy as an actual meaningful concept that they were trying to utilize on a regular basis for angles um, and brand supremacy meant something within the context of, you know, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, UK, NXT. That'd be one thing. But, like, this was just a way to get out of this scene. Yeah, they're doing a lot of these weird type of things. Like, the the Becky Lynch segment on Raw, where <laughs> she comes down with, uh, with the sunglasses. I forget the... Uh, I forgot the meme that those sunglasses are for, but they're they're on the uh, it's uh, whatever. But she comes down. She she basically aren't they the like a boss? Yes, the like a boss sunglasses. And she comes down, and she basically says Oscar's been running from her, and that's just not true. I'm screaming at my TV, and that they've doubled down on on my criticism from last week. The only way. The only way they can redeem that for me is if if Becky Lynch is becoming so overtly cocky that becomes her downfall. And I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're just doing the lone wolf, cool, baby face type thing with her. And look, people cheer Becky. I can't fault. That's the problem is nothing is going to turn her heel. Right. And so whenever they're doing this arrogant stuff with her, 
all they're doing is just cannibalizing anyone she interacts with. Because she wins and she doesn't yeah, win graciously. She wins boastfully. And who is to debate what they just saw on their television screen? And Asuka's just, just left their... person. Asuka's just left their screaming... Probably obscenities in Japanese that none of us understand, but she doesn't do anything. It just kind of cuts her off at the knees as, yeah, I just clowned you, bro. And and she just walks off. I'm just like, that just that doesn't build a story for me. That doesn't, you know, I'll, I'll give you another example. What was the point of the Casey Cat and Zaro video? Boy, that was weird. <laughs> that was very, very weird. I, here comes Casey Catanzaro. She's making her big returns. It's really exciting. Oh, she's a from Ninja Warrior. What intrigue loses? Yeah, I just. Why are you giving promo videos to people you're just gonna beat, and then we shouldn't care about them? I love Mercedes Martinez. Don't get me wrong. Anybody? I like her too. But it's, who's just, it's to the, the Caden Carter thing all <laughs> yeah. over again. Here comes Caden. She's a star athlete. She's this. She's that. She loses, and you're just like, what? <laughs> what the hell are you people doing? Are, are you? It, it, and it's one of those overthinking things where it's where it's. Um, God, that cat's throwing me off. <laughs> it's. All right, you're going to cat jail. That's, <laughs> I, 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 I can't do it. Oh, that's going to be the name of this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Chesterfield Cat has taken a trip to Cat Jail. Uh, it, it, we, we've reached a creative impasse here on this show. I, I could do nothing to appease him. I, I tried. God, I tried. I gave him water. I was holding him. Hawkins, I did everything I possibly could Every with that cat. Word. Everything. I know, <laughs> but he wouldn't shut the hell up. I know. I you almost... know it. it you, the, the people don't know how bad it got. It got really bad. It needed to stop. And I, I, I love him, and I will set him free at some point. But right now, I'm really soaking and living in the relief that I'm feeling, not being bombarded by my friggin' cat. I've been heckled in comedy clubs. I've had people. Oh no, he's worse than that. I've been having. I've had people talk throughout performances I've had before. Every word I was just hearing, row, row, row. And I was just like, a, "Shut up, cat!" And I'm like, "You're yelling at a cat. That cat does not understand you." Oh, Hawkins. he's upstairs, still screaming through the door. It's just now it won't be on the mic, and I might be able to think and focus. Because yeah, like, <laughs> okay. No, it's it's awful today. I don't know what has gotten into him. But you can uh, getting getting back to my point. You can you can tell the story notes that they're thinking. They're thinking. Well, we 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 want to reintroduce Casey. And get her, you know, get her on TV because we know people like her a lot. But man, we really want to build up Mercedes right now. But we don't want to build her up to the point where she's overpowering. How can we how can we build both at the same time? And the answer is you can't. You can't do it that way unless it's done very carefully. And they just have no interest in that. And there's two different stories for Rhea Ripley here, right? One is Casey Catanzaro, the scrappy underdog that Rhea Ripley doesn't take seriously and is kind of a heel against. The other one is Mercedes Martinez, who comes in and Rhea Ripley is kind of working as the underdog because you have this ruthless veteran who is scrappy, finally is getting her chance. It's two different stories. And yeah. so 
you wouldn't need to have these two people interacting here. You need to have there are people Casey you can Catanzaro beat. beating yeah. bigger people like Reina Gonzalez, for example, um, and showing that she has the skills and like the cunning to defeat a bigger opponent. And meanwhile, Mercedes Martinez is sort of relentlessly beating up smaller people. Yeah, I, I, it was just one of those things where it's like, why not just reintroduce Casey and have her win over... You know, you have Vanessa Bourne there. You have, uh, <laughs> I mean, you you have. <laughs> yeah, Vanessa Chelsea, Bourne would be a good che- one. Chelsea yeah. Green is isn't winning lately. Deanna Perrazzo, any any you know local local enhancement talent like uh, Amber Nova is around that you could always pick up for a day of tapings. Just just have her beat somebody. And 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 reintroduce her that way versus this way. It, it it's it's baffling to me that they think because it's on TV that everybody has to be a name, and even the names that get beat won't matter. What happens is what happens on the main roster is all these names then don't matter when you want to heat them up again. Like Mojo yeah, like Raleigh. Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, you know, they they're going to be forever stuck in the mid card. What do you think of the return of Velveteen Dream? Uh, I mean, he's a character that is very over with that audience. He's always a fun promo. His matches on the big shows are generally well formatted. And although his work leaves something to be desired and his working punch leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, his brawling sucked. It's really, really, it's really bad. Um, I can I think I'm a little more into his act when it comes time for big matches than you are, just because I generally like the story of his matches. And I think, like, here's what's fun about the Velveteen Dream versus the Undisputed Era. I think the Undisputed Era is at their best when they are uncool guys trying to be cool, and the Velveteen Dream is at his best when he's actually cool. Yeah. And so that energy contrast, I think, is good. I love Velveteen Dream as just a cocky guy. I My weakness with him is is too much of the cosplaying of other wrestlers. And I, I just, it, it's kind of the same here with the Rick Rude thing. I'm, yeah, there's a little Ultimate Warrior going on with the Titan Tron, and then a little bit of the Rick Rude and with a the lot of And a lot of Randy Savage as well. Yeah. Just so, in the I, I mean, like that's my knock, but I, I mean, he's there's so much there in terms of like cool versus uncool and one guy versus four guys. I, like, I, there's stuff to work with here in terms of storytelling that I'm at least I'm intrigued by at minimum. I mean, he's a happy. He, I mean, he's happy addition. Don't get me wrong. It, it was just one of those things where I don't know. The reintroduction was kind of weird. I mean, I get I get having the teaser and then bringing him out. I just think for the way they took him out, I, I, I'm one of those. Every action needs an equal reaction, and because they just so brutally beat on him, I wanted to see him, you know, kind of being the guy behind the scenes beating on people, rather than you know what they did with Champa versus what they did with with him here. I will say this: he needed to have a weapon because the one part that got implausible or really sort of stretched credulity was. He was doing this all just with his blazing hot fists. Those incredible punches of his were just taking out <laughs> the, the four guys who at one point, not that long ago, had all of the belts in the organization. The flailing arms, you mean? Yeah, hey, you know, I call them fists of fury, my friend. <laughs> the spaghetti strikes of doom. 
Uh, anything else on the NXT main show that caught your fancy? Uh, uh, the Bobby, Fi- how much fish could Bobby Fish fry? A Bobby Fish could fry fish. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I thought it was Mr. You know. Hand. It's our time. <laughs> it was such a Spicoli line to me. I don't know. Not a Fast Times guy, are you? Uh, no, I haven't seen it in years. I saw it on okay. Comedy Central back in the nineties oh. when they would show that kind of stuff on Comedy Central. <sighs> Gotta watch the original because Phoebe Cates is a sight to behold. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, what, what, uh, yeah, the Di- Dijakovic versus, uh, um. Killian Dane, Killian Dane. I, they just I mean you know Dane's a guy who's just kind of whatever intrigue was there with this reboot is gone now at this point I agree uh yeah um and then Devlin versus Tyler Breeze uh Tyler Breeze kind of same thing where like this guy should have been an exciting return and I, I mean I think repackaging this guy and getting him too far away from the thing that made him successful in NXT the first time around, big mistake. This match was weird because Tyler Breeze was working the hold for most of this match, which is kind of the heel role here until the last fourth of the match. After they come back from that commercial, um, you know, then it, then it really got going, but it was kind of just, we're going to have a long match here with two guys for a while. And then we're going to kick into gear after the commercial break. I I liked it a lot. I think Devlin's a welcome addition. He was pretty good on what I saw of two or five live before we went to air. Does he showed up there as the champion? Yeah. See like now I actually kind of want to just see him doing promos and stuff. Cause I think he's such an entertaining talker. That's I, I all like, I, I want to see him do. That's all I yeah, want to see yeah, him right. do. But, but I'm interested in him telling stories cause he's fun. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I want him. If there's a time to just refocus the cruiserweight division into personalities and guys cutting promos versus getting them over on pure work rate. Now is the time. Cause you have a champion who can do that. And I, I think, uh, I think that would serve this division. Well, absolutely. Establish some characters and Devlin is a really great way to do that. Um, shall we move to NXT UK? Yeah, let us. Okay. So this show began with, uh, Piper Niven versus Danny Luna. Um, so I don't think that Piper Niven, was doing good stuff when she was kind of making fun of how swole Danny Luna was. I thought that was kind of undermining to Danny Luna. I don't, you have pure baby faces. Don't make them act like heels, make them be good people. Uh, Danny Luna, one of the new signees for NXT UK. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, especially because you're healing up Tony storm a bit. I don't want to see Piper Niven get healed up either. Yeah. Yeah. Like this was sort of, it was like, Piper Niven was mocking Danny Luna like, yes, you're big and you're fit, but I'm larger than you. And so what does that matter? But I'm bigger and and I look to be unfit. I just, yeah, it, it, it was such yeah, a weird. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like, like the way King Kong Bundy would maybe make fun of a smaller guy who was much more fit than he was before King Kong Bundy would dispatch it's, him it's, easily. It's Otis versus Bobby Lashley. That, that uh, it'd be like a of. heel Apollo Cruz, like someone who's smaller than there. There has That's to be a true. size differential there too. Okay, you know you're right. You're right. Yeah, I, it's just it's it's a weird look. I get that they're trying to make it come off as playful, but I didn't think it came off that way. I think it came off as heelish. 
Yeah, I, I thought so too. Um, nothing really going on in the Gallus promo. Uh, Devlin's promo was fine, but nothing, you know, super exciting. What do you think of Baton A Kid? I thought it was a nice short match. I, I didn't think you needed to burn it at this time, to be honest with you. I thought you No, gotta... and I think if you're going to do it, it should be longer, right? Like, this should be the main event of a TV show um, where A-Kid gets kind of a nice extended shine. And I thought that this was, like, it was good for the amount of time that it was given, but I... it wasn't given a lot of time in, nor was it given a lot of showcase. I think you can make this work, though, and I'll, I'll tell you how. Because cause they did a really good job on setting up this match on the promo last week. You just have a kid keep coming back to Tyler Bate going, okay, I had never been in the ring with you before in NXT UK. I've learned more about you. I think I can do better this time. And you just have him continually improve. I don't even think you need to turn him against. No, Tyler no, no, Bate. no. But he just wants to keep getting better. And so then we have a rematch in like a month or so where it's the main event and gets like 15 minutes. Yeah. But he still loses. And then in like yeah, three, and, yeah. then, and then in three months at a takeover in NXT UK, you have him win because he's yeah. learned and then he's right. a star and you have him shake hands and, you know, good without it's any a of the big feel good moment, without any of the heelishness, without any of the weird <laughs> Ilya Dragunov stuff that just makes him. You can't get behind Ilya Dragunov because he's such a weirdo. <laughs> I'm sorry. He is. He, he, he is like he. And they seem to like to tell the story around the idea that this is a weird guy with kind of off energy. This is a guy so, with so, delusions of grandeur. He's a guy who and he like works five. out doing like weird stuff, like yeah. smashing a sledgehammer against a tire. Which I mean, that's a blocking choice. That's a scene choice. He could have been doing anything. He could have been jumping rope. He could have been on a machine. He could have been lifting weights. But no, Ilya Dragunov has this weird like old school big six foot five guy thing like you're saying yeah yeah it, it, it's it's such a i don't understand how they haven't seen this is what he's doing either and made it part of the story because it's obvious that's his gimmick his gimmick is he's a small guy who thinks he's way bigger than he is with all his mannerisms and just yeah i just i think with a kid you build him up and you you turn him into something else as long and then you know even beating tyler bates never gonna have no one's ever going to turn on Tyler Bate. No one's ever going to turn on Tyler Bate. And I mean, even even if he and, Tr and Trent and British, I've I've watched them work heel, and they're very good heels, um, in progress. But I just don't see anybody in NXT UK ever turning on Tyler Bate. You can use a little bit of his of his goodwill and give it to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, yeah, a rub on A-Kid, too, to have A-Kid established. Because I think, you know, the goal here eventually, too, is to have A-Kid go up against Jordan Devlin. I You know, I, I think there's a way to do this where Bate doesn't lose anything and A-Kid gains something ultimately at the end of this. We had another of our mid-card building the tag team division type of matches between uh, Pretty Deadly and Smith and... Williams? Who, who am I missing yeah, here? Yeah, Smith and Carter. Or, Smith yeah, and Carter, I call them yeah. The Whooper Smash Brothers. Whoop! And Pretty Deadly. Um, I have no opinion on this match. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, Pretty Deadly showed a few nice tandem spots. Uh, their entrance is kind of fun. Smith and Carter are certainly there. They they are guys who are on a roster, and they, they are paid to wrestle. That, that's yeah. 
all yeah. I can say about those two. They they just well, what was funny is that Stoker and Howley get their heat back right at the end of the match. Yeah, like they attack. They attack, but then they don't attack Smith. Like there's this really weird moment where. One of the pretty deadly guys like looks at Smith and goes like, eh, "I'm not going to attack you. I'm just going to leave the ring." I, you know what? It, I know that they they're now keeping him in Orlando, but I think pretty deadly would be great with Robert Stone. Yes. I think I think that's yeah. a match made in heaven right there, as opposed to the outliers and and the other dumb things they're doing and and they're not a they're not an act you want to put stokely hathaway with necessarily but no, robert but like pretty stone, deadly paired with chelsea green i, I yeah and and, and, and robert deadly. stone doing his fashionista type of thing that he's doing as yes. well yeah yeah i yeah. like that as a combination and he could talk for them and interact with them and Chelsea could be the women's member of that division. You can bring her over to NXT UK too, because she she's can sometimes running. serve as the manager. Sometimes Stone can yeah. serve as the manager. Yeah. You know, like like this. The, the sum here is greater than the parts. I like this. I don't yeah, know if they're going to do it, but it's interesting. If you want to throw a real wrench in it, you make the iconics part of this stable too, with Robert Stone and and Pretty Deadly as opposed to Chelsea Green, because they're uh, they're off TV until they uh, improve a little. That's what I've been told. Oh, okay. Well, it, they, I mean, some might argue that they got on TV before they were ready. I would agree. Um, and then what else is the main event? Last thing. Yeah. Then we get into uh, Kaylee Ray does a nice little oh. promo here. Yeah. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Kaylee. Ray's Love Kaylee promo. Ray. Love her. Yeah. I, she, she's of, like I said, of anybody in 2018, I did a 180 on Kaylee Ray's number one right there. Everything yeah, I've yeah, seen no. her yeah, in, she's great. been awesome. Love her. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it definitely works. And then we get into the main event here. Uh, the Toru Yano special. No turnbuckles. Okay. Yes. Uh, what did you think of this? I mean, Trent Seven has been working a sneaky, tough schedule as of late here. I mean, you start looking at the matches that Trent Seven's had over the last six to eight weeks. He's he's had some pretty stiff little matches. I thought this was pretty good by Eddie Dennis standards. Like it, it was not like my favorite match of all time ever, but like this was a pretty good little main event. If you had a guy who actually liked wrestling in charge of the company and not just a guy who liked bodybuilders and body guys, Trent seven's the best pure baby yeah. face on any yeah. roster on any brand right now. He is so good. He is so good at taking a beating and then firing up that, that match against, uh, uh, Devitt, Balor, Finn Balor uh, last week. Great stuff. Taking a beating here by Eddie De- from Eddie Dennis. Great stuff. His fire up. The crowd actually cares about Trent Seven. I love, 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 love Trent Seven. I, 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 yeah, no, he's awesome. I used, yeah, to, I used to just go, I don't see the big deal. He's kind of out of shape, a little pudgy. He just does basic wrestling stuff. But then you start watching more and more of his matches and you see how much better he is than most guys that they have signed at doing an actual babyface gimmick. And now I just want Trent seven matches every week. And, and then uh, you start to realize that he's actually a pretty good wrestler. Oh, too. he's a great like, wrestler. I've yeah. Never- yeah. Like, like he has like kind of a basic move set to some extent, but like then he'll dust off something like that little rolling set tile. You're like, okay, Trent Seven's doing some stuff here. No, he's the modern day UK Dusty Rhodes. I, I'd like him a lot. 
that is such a great, great thing. I I would love, I'd love for them to turn them into that. If, if NXT UK could somehow build a firewall so nobody in Stamford, Connecticut could watch their shows and just build Trent Seven into UK Dusty Roads on that level. And if, if Trent Seven were up to the task of talking like that, I'd be I'd be down. I'd I'd watch this show every week. I'd put it on first. I'd oh. But yeah, no, Trent Seven was always talented. It's just I never I, I think I always took his babyface shtick for granted because he was with Tyler Bate all that time. And Tyler Bate gets all the pretty boy cheers as opposed to and he's the guy who always has to take he's always the guy who takes the heat. So he can tag in bait so bait can get the pop. Yeah, no, it's kind of crazy. Seven's the less talented he's, member of the team he's, because he's, he's paired with Bait. And, so and he's the guy who trained too. and he's the guy who trained yeah. Bait. Yeah, but he's right. always and, Yeah, no, and Bait was a great is a great prospect, was a great prospect, is a great talent, uh, will be a great talent, will only appreciate. It's, um but what Trent Seven brings is kind of subtle. Like if you just I mean, the first time you see him, he's you know, a dude who's slightly overweight and you go like, what are his moves? And you're like, well, he does a clothesline and you know, he does, you know, burning hammer, which is cool. Uh, but like there's nothing that if someone just described it to you all on paper, that would scream star could carry the division. And then you kind of see it in practice. And it's another thing where the, the sum is greater than the parts. It's a very Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson type of vibe because, but not to that extent. Because Robert Gibson, still very talented, couldn't talk worth a lick. But everybody always kind of downplayed Robert Gibson's importance to the Rock and Roll Express because Ricky Morton was such a was such a dynamic, charismatic, and for you know the mid '80s, good looking guy. Uh, the mullet doesn't work anymore, uh, but it's but, kind of bent back around. We're like seeing someone in 2020 still rocking that mullet, like has this nostalgia flair, but it doesn't work without an but they wanted to twist. Push, but they wanted to push him as a single star, so Robert Gibson eventually kind of got put on the back burner as well. But he was still valuable in that team type thing. I think I think Mustache Mountain's a little bit stronger of a unit in that way, in that Trent Seven gets a lot more props than Robert Gibson ever did. But there's a similar tinge to it in some way. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I, I think that, that's a fair way to look at it. But, um, you yeah, know, I thought this is a great match. Uh, Trent Seven, yet again, showing that he can totally carry a show. Um, would love to see him in a feud with Walter. I think that like, that would be a fun place for us to go this year. Enjoy your XFL, kids. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. Chris, tell them about your other podcasts. My other show is called Don't Worry About the Government. You can find that over at Don'tWorry.tv. Uh, part one and part two of like a about 15-year look at Bernie Sanders' relationship with the media is now out and available. It's about three hours, so go and check that out. I spent a lot of time working on that one. Um, the All in the Family podcast episodes are being edited. They'll be out this week now that I'm finally catching up on editing stuff. The episodes have been taped. They will be available. You can find those at allinthefamilypodcast.com. You can find me at Chris Novembrino. R.I.P. to the great Kevin Conway and the great Orson Bean. Yeah.